Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. If you are enjoying the podcast and would like to show your support, then we would love for you to check out Sleep Tight Premium. Not only would your support help us to continue producing the show, but our ad-free premium feed is all about supporting your sleep time routine. From now until Christmas, we are offering 40% off our Sleep Tight Premium subscriptions for the first year. Check out sleeptightpremium.com or follow the link in our show notes. Thank you. Our sleep story is Chapter 12 of The Boxcar Children. In the last chapter, James Cordes realized that his grandchildren were staying with Doc McAllister and asked if he could visit and get to know them. Henry realizes who the visitor is and introduces himself at the end of the chapter. In this chapter, all the kids meet their grandfather and realize that he is not the person they thought he was. They take him to see their boxcar, and he takes them to see his home. While they are looking at grandfather's house, someone comes to the door about the dog. But before we continue with our story, let's start by breathing together. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. We are going to do a series of deep, slow breaths. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, try to push all the air out of your lungs. We often talk about taking belly breaths or filling your belly up like a balloon. If that helps you visualize the kind of breath to take, then please try. You can use whatever works for you. Now, Inhale slowly through your nose and count to four in your head, filling your lungs with more air with each number. Hold your breath and count to four in your head. Slowly exhale through your mouth, focusing on getting all the air out of your lungs. Take your time and focus on slow, controlled, deep breaths.
Breathe in, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Breathe out, two, three, four. Breathe in, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Breathe out, two, three, four. Perfect. You can continue to practice your deep breathing as we continue with Boxcar Children Chapter 12. In less than an hour, the town was buzzing with the news. The chauffeur told the maids, and the maids told the grocery man, and the grocery man went from house to house, telling that old James Cordes had found his four grandchildren at last. In fact, the biggest part of the town knew it before the children themselves. Jess and Benny came across the lawn to select some white moonflowers for Violet's tray. They were just in time to hear Henry say, But Grandfather... Grandfather? echoed Jess, whirling around to gaze at them. Yes, Jess said Henry eagerly. He's the man we've been running away from all this time. I thought you was old, observed Benny, and awfully cross, Jess said so. I didn't know, Benny, said Jess, turning pink. To think of running away from this kind friend? But her grandfather did not seem to mind. He proposed that they all go up into Violet's room with the moonflowers. There was no stopping Benny. He rushed into Violet's room, dragging his grandfather by one hand and shouting, It's Grandfather Violet, and he's nice after all, I shouldn't wonder. When Violet at last understood just what Benny was trying to tell, She was perfectly happy to rest against her ruffled pillows with one hand curled about her grandfather's arm and listen to the rest. Where have you been living? demanded Mr. Cordes at last. The whole company looked at each other, even Dr. McAllister and his mother. Then they all laughed as if they would never stop. You just ought to see, observed Dr. McAllister, wiping his eyes. What? said the children all at once. You never saw it in the daytime. You don't mean it, returned the doctor, teasing them. I have seen it quite a number of times in the daytimes. Seen what in heaven's name? asked Mr. Cordes at last. Then they told him interrupting each other to tell about the beds of pine needles, the wonderful dishes, the freight car roof after all, the fireplace, and the swimming pool. 
That's where Violet got her bronchitis, observed the doctor, sitting by that pool. She shouldn't have done it. I thought so from the first. You thought so? repeated Henry, puzzled. How did you know she sat by it? I'm sure I didn't myself. I was your most frequent visitor, declared the doctor, enjoying himself hugely. I hope you were our only one, said Jess with her mouth open. Well, I think I was, said the doctor. The first night after Henry mowed my lawn, I followed him as far as the hill to see where he lived. Why did you do that? interrupted Mr. Cordes. I liked him, returned the doctor, and I noticed that he didn't tell much about himself, so I was curious. But you surely didn't see the freight car then, said Jess. No, but I came back that night and looked around, replied Dr. McAllister. At about 11 o'clock, Henry cried. The doctor agreed. Our rabbit, said Henry and Jess together. I made as little noise as possible when I saw the freight car. Then I saw the door move, so I thought someone was inside. And when I heard the dog bark, I was sure of it and went home. But you came back? questioned Jess. Yes. Every time I knew all of you were safe in my garden, I made you a little visit, just to be sure you had enough to eat and enough dishes. The doctor laughed. When I found you had a strainer, a vase of flowers, a salt shaker, and a glass-cut punch bowl, I stopped worrying. Didn't you suspect they were my children? demanded Mr. Cordes. Didn't you see my ad? Why didn't you notify me at once? They were having such a good time, confessed the doctor, and I was too. I just wanted to see how long they could manage their own affairs. It was all tremendously interesting. Why, that boy and girl of yours are born business managers, Mr. Cordes. Mr. Cordes took note of this. But I don't see yet how you knew Violet sat by the pool, said Jess curiously. You couldn't know that, of course, replied the doctor. I went up twice when I knew Henry had taken the dog down to my barn. I hid behind the big white rock with the flat top. That's Lookout Rock, explained Jess, where we used to let Benny watch for Henry. But we didn't hear you. No, said Dr. McAllister. I didn't even snap a twig those times. But I had the very best time when I went with Mother. Have you seen it too? cried the children. I have indeed, returned Mrs. McAllister. I have even had a drink from your well. Everyone has seen it but me, said Mr. Cordis patiently. We'll show it to you, said Benny and I'll show you my wheels made on a cart and my bed of hay and my pink cup. Good for you, Benny, said Mr. Cordis, pleased. When Violet gets well, 
we will all go up there. And if you'll show me your house, I'll show you mine. Have you got a house? Asked Benny in surprise. Yes, you can live there with me if you like it, replied Mr. Cordis. I have been looking for you for nearly two months. Under Mrs. McAllister's wonderful care, Violet soon became strong again. But she had been skipping around the garden for several days before the doctor would allow the visit to the freight car house. When at last the whole party started out in the great limousine, many people looked out of their windows to watch after Mr. Cordis and his grandchildren. Many of them knew Henry as the boy who had won the race and were glad that he had found such a friend. But when the children reached their beloved home, they were like wild things. Watch capered about furiously, taking little swims in the pool and sniffing at all of the dear old familiar things. Mr. Cordis seated himself on a rock and watched them all, exchanging a glance now and then with Mrs. McAllister and her son. At last, everyone climbed into the car itself, and Mr. Cordis saw the beds, the cash account on the wall, the wonderful shelf, and each separate dish. Each dish had a story of its own. That's more than my dishes have, observed Mr. Cordis. Mrs. McAllister, who knew what his dishes were, was silent. They ate chicken sandwiches on the very same tablecloth, and Benny drank from his pink cup. And Watch couldn't understand why they all went away at all. But it was a trifle cool on the hill now when the sun began to sink, and after rolling the door shut, they left regretfully. Tomorrow, suggested Mr. Cordis as they drove home, will you all come and see my house? Oh, yes, agreed the children happily, little dreaming what was in store for them on the next day and all the days to come. Mr. Cordis had been planning this day for more than a week. He had sent his most trusted foreman to his own beautiful home to watch over matters there. The house was being remodeled entirely after Mr. Cordis's own plans and everywhere were carpenters, painters, and decorators. On the very day that Mr. Cordis received word that it was finished, he suggested the drive. Do you live all alone, Grandfather? asked Benny. All alone, answered Mr. Cordis. No company at all. At first, Benny did not consider this the exact truth. He considered a cook company, and also a butler, and a housekeeper. 
And when he saw the number of maids, he kept perfectly quiet. The house was enormous, certainly. Do you live here? said Henry Thunderstruck as they rolled quietly along the beautiful drive. You do too, if you like it, observed his grandfather watching his face. The inside of the house was more wonderful than even the older children had ever dreamed. The velvet rugs were so thick and soft that no footfall could be heard. Everywhere were flowers. The great stairway with steps of marble rose from the center of the big hallway. But it was upstairs that the children felt most at home. Here, the rooms were not quite so large. They were sunny and homelike. This is Violet's room, cried Benny. It was unmistakable. There were violets on the wallpaper. The bed was snow white with a thick quilt of violet silk. On the little table were English violets pouring their fragrance into the room. What a beautiful room, sighed Violet, sinking down into one of the soft, cushioned chairs. But all the children shouted when they saw Benny's room. The wallpaper was blue, covered with large figures of cats and dogs, the three bears, and Peter Rabbit. There was a swinging, rocking horse nearly as large as a real horse. A blackboard, a tool chest, a low table and chairs, exactly the right size for Benny. There was an electric train with cars nearly as large as the little boy himself. Can I run the cars all day? asked Benny. Oh, no, replied Henry quickly. You're going to school as soon as it begins. This was the first that Grandfather had heard about school, but he agreed with Henry and chuckled to himself. In Jess's room, Benny discovered a bed for watch. It was, in fact, a regular dog's straw hamper, but it was lined with heavy quilted silk and padded with wool. Watch got in it at once, sniffed in every corner, turned around three times, and lay down. Just then, a distant doorbell rang. It had such a low musical chime that the children listened delightedly, never once giving a thought as to who it might be. But almost at once, a soft-footed servant appeared, saying that a man wanted to see Mr. Cordis about the dog. The moment Jess heard the word dog, she was frightened. She had never thought Watch, a common runaway dog, and it always made her uncomfortable to see passerbys gaze curiously at him as he ran by her side. 
They won't take watch away, she whispered to Henry, her breath almost gone. Indeed, they will not, declared Henry. We'll never, never give him up. However, Henry followed his grandfather and Jess with great anxiety. And that is the end of this chapter. Sleep tight. Thank you.